0: You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. You can find out more about us at www.lifegateseguin.com Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it is a delight being here, worshiping with you guys this morning. Greetings from... Sovereign Grace Church in Pearland. We love you guys. We're praying for you guys. Uh, Josh, Bob, and Jack, thank you for extending the invitation for me and my wife to come down and visit you guys. We love you guys at Sovereign Grace Church Pearland. We've had the privilege of, Josh, you've been in, Bob, you've been in, of just worshiping with us and serving us so well over the many years certainly before i was there but thank you guys so much for your faithful service to the lord thank you church lifegate church for your faithfulness to god and his glorious grace it's just a reminder to me it's a testimony what what sits before me is the testimony of god's saving grace I am in awe of God. When I look around and I see people that he has called one by one by one by one, and he saves you to himself, and he brings you into a local church to worship him together, and it's all like Ephesians 1 to the praise of his glorious grace. So thank you, LifeGate Church, for the testimony that God is doing in your life. Well, let's look. The the passage I want to go through today is John 17. And I know this passage, oh, what a precious passage it is. It's the high priestly prayer of Jesus but we don't think of it much in the way as far as evangelism, but it is just saturated with evangelism because in it, Jesus, he's praying for his disciples and he's not just praying for his disciples. He's praying for those that would come to know Jesus through his disciples. He prays that that he has saved us out of the world, but then he sends us into the world, so it's just saturated with evangelism. So let's look at that passage. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read it. We're going to read the, the whole chapter. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, but certainly reference it uh, quite a bit through here. But I'd, if nothing else, if you don't receive anything else, just receive this. And I believe God can take His Word and transform you and conform you more into the image of Christ than if I would stand up here for years and years and years. I believe in the power of his word. I believe in his spirit. So let us read this, and then we'll pray and we'll dive in. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you have sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am in them. Let's pray. O oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Holy Father, in Jesus the Son, in the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, would you take your word and plant it deep inside of us, Lord, that as you said previously, that we may bear fruit. Oh, I pray for much fruit, Father. As Jesus has promised, and Lord, we can have confidence today because the Son has prayed for us. And His Word will accomplish all that He desires it to. So meet us in our need this morning, Father. Conform us to Christ in Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. So as we know, I don't think it would be any argument when I would say evangelism is at the heart of God. John 3:16, for God so loved the world, right? Just a key evangelistic verse that we use many times. And we also know that Jesus came into the world to seek and to save the lost. And so when I speak of compelling evangelism, what I want you to know is I want to just approach this just from a slightly different angle, because a lot of when we speak about evangelism, it's we talk about the commandment to evangelism, which is certainly there. But I want to approach it from a different angle through this beautiful prayer of Jesus that you are so enamored with Jesus that you cannot help but to evangelize. That's the angle that we want to come from this morning. So as I was working through this and I was talking to Josh and I'd share this testimony. So one of the most formative, um, just shaping memories I have when it comes to evangelism is not my own evangelism. It's not even the person that evangelized me, but it is really this gentleman by the name of Mr. DeWeese who evangelized my father. And I want to go there because what happened there is reflected here now. Okay, so what happened there is reflected here right now. And so the unfolding, the waves of evangelism, just they unfold. So Mr. DeWeese, he would visit our house. I was a young boy. And I just remember he would visit our house every Thursday. Like clockwork, same time, every day he would come. And at the beginning, my dad would reject him. Like, hey, yeah, knocking on the door, here's the next door-to-door salesman, right? That's how my dad viewed him. But Mr. DeWeese kept coming. Thursday after Thursday after Thursday. He actually developed a relationship with my father. So that every Thursday, he, my dad actually prepared apple pies. And so he knew when Mr. DeWeese was coming, my dad already had the apple pie waiting, and he would invite Mr. DeWeese into the house. And there, the unfolding story of the gospel of Jesus Christ began to take hold and began to grip. My mom and dad eventually go to that particular church where Mr. DeWeese had been inviting, and they came to Christ. You see, it wasn't just... Have you ever had those moments when you've evangelized? where you just, I mean, God is, He is just there. I mean, it is like this is a supernatural moment. The Lord is actually speaking to the heart of this person. And you're aware of this, but not only is it grace to that person, when you leave that conversation, you're like, this was grace for me. Oh, how the Lord met me through this. Oh, in just sharing the gospel, my, my heart was filled with the love of God, and it just stirs us up. So evangelism is not just grace to the lost. It's grace for you. That's what I want you to know. It is grace for you. Imagine rejection after rejection after rejection. I don't even know how many times Mr. DeWeese was even rejected before he even got to our house, where then he was rejected by my dad. But he just kept coming. I believe the only thing that brought him back was he was compelled by the grace of God. So the key thought of my sermon today is Just as Jesus was sent into the world, so too he sends us into the world. Therefore, evangelism is not just grace to the world, but it is also grace to his church. Because through evangelism, we glorify God, we receive the joy of Jesus, we are united as a church, and we are motivated by his great love. So we see leading up to chapter 17 and 14 through 16, Jesus is comforting the disciples. Right, he is just he knows the the, the trials that he is going to go through, the redempt his redemptive work. But he also knows the sorrow that the disciples they don't fully understand. Even on the eve of this happening, they're not fully comprehending. But He has told them He is going to go away so their hearts are filled with sorrow. And so His desire, oh, the desire of Jesus is to comfort His people. He wants them to know that soon, oh, their sorrow will be great, but their sorrow will be turned into joy. He wants them to know That even when he goes away, he will send one who is like him and will bring to their memory all that he would want them to know. He he wants them to know his word. And here in chapter 17, what a beautiful God we have, is that he would pray for them. Keep that in mind as you consider evangelism. Pray much. Pray much. Depend on Jesus much. So we are saved out of the world to be sent into the world. So in verse 16, Jesus says that his own are not of the world, right? So he has saved us. He has called us out of this world. He has redeemed us out of this world from the sin, from the brokenness, from death from ultimate destruction, from the chaos of this world, from being separated from God because of our sin, and he has saved us to life. So this is what Jesus has saved us out of. And he comes into our life. He walks into our life. But he walks into our life with a mission. He has a mission for you. He has a mission for me because he had a mission from the Father. You see, he didn't just come in to the world for the sake of coming into the world. He came, his mission was to save, to seek and to save the lost. This is the mission of Christ. And as we are united to Christ, we are united to His very mission. You see, Mr. DeWeese is going. When Mr. DeWeese went, it was Christ sending. Do you imagine that for just a moment? Should you have an evangelistic encounter even this week coming up, Even as you have gone, Christ has sent. I mean, I just want you to to just grab, let your heart grab that. Christ himself has sent you. Oh, what precious grace that is for you. in the world, but not of the world. Have you ever heard that before? I'm in the world, but not of the world. Well, that's true, right? But I want you to hear the clarity of Jesus. Jesus says, no, I send you into the world. I send you. See, there's a difference between saying, hey, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And there's a difference between saying, hey, I have been sent into the world and I am not of this world it speaks of mission it speaks of that there is a lord there is a sovereign god over you who rules and reigns and he's saying hey hey guys i send you so not just in the world and not of the world it also reminds us that ascending would remind us this is temporary right this is temporary. Right here, right now, your life, as you know it right now, you all know this, it is temporary. Your neighbor's life, as they know it, is temporary. Your family, temporary. Coworkers, temporary. All of it is temporary. But he sends you because eternity is at stake. Every conversation, every interaction, what I want you to know is eternity is literally at stake at that moment, at that time. And He sends us. And to double down, he says in verse 15, he says, "Father, don't take them out of." <sighs> this is just mind-blowing. Lord, I want to go to heaven. I was praying this morning. I reminded, what was it, in Liberia? 10,000 people. This is the world we live in, saints. And I'm gripped with horror. 10,000 people. The day before they got swept away. I don't know what their life was like. It may have been in poverty, it may have been in wealth. But tomorrow came and the floods came. This is, oh my goodness. And Jesus, I just want you to be so saturated with the love of Christ for you and for the world. He would say, "Don't, Father, don't take them out of the world." I don't know what your situation is. You may be battling cancer. You you may have just family brokenness. You may be unemployed. I don't know what the situation is, and you're just like, I'm, I'm barely hanging on here, but I, what I want you to hear is Jesus' words, Father, don't take them out of this world. Even as broken and as sin-filled, oh, don't take them out of the world. How much of of my unwillingness to go. I know He is sovereign. I know that. But how much of my own unwillingness to go? I think often of old friends that I no longer have contact with. But because I was fearful of them, didn't want to be portrayed like this or like that, if we as the people of God know the redemptive work of Christ, the salvation, the price that He paid for us, how will we say, no, thank you, I will not go? If I truly know, I don't know fully, I grant that, But what I do know, how will I say, no thank you? You see, when I think of that that phrase, in and not of the world, it typically lends to us building up walls. I want to build up walls around me. I want to build my own little Christian kingdom. I want it to be safe from sin. I, want it, I don't want the, the encroachments of the world in my family, in my, in my own life. I'm in, I'm in, but I'm not of the world. I don't want the world rubbing off on me. Oh, but Jesus says, I send you into the world. And so evangelism helps us from becoming pharisees. You see the pharisees build up walls. They they I'm building up the wall around myself and if you follow me, I'm going to build up a wall around you as well. And this is what we do, we just continue to build up walls. We can when we build up walls, we come we become proud. We become self-righteous. Look at their sin. I'm not like that. And yet how soon we forget that I was exactly that, if not worse. The Pharisees opposed the work of Jesus. That's where we really got to, we've got to struggle with this. I want you to wrestle in prayer. If your heart is not moved to evangelize, what I want you to wrestle with tonight is the the command of Christ to evangelize and your unwillingness to do so. I want you to wrestle with that. You see, they didn't only turn away themselves from Jesus. They turned away others from Jesus. Can you imagine that? People who are, Jesus would look at the crowds, and the Bible says he had compassion on them. They were utterly lost. The Pharisees every day would pass by people, wouldn't even teach them the word of God. Utterly lost, without any prospect of being found, dead, with no life. Blind and deaf. Under the kingdom of darkness. They're in prison. They're without hope and without God. And they're under His wrath. Their first instinct was to be appalled by those people's sin. But when they build up the walls, they actually used the beams that were in their own eyes to build the walls. That's what we do when we decide to build up walls, we just take the beams that are in our own eye. So what Jesus said, you can't see because we have beams in our own eyes. We want to take the splinter out of theirs, but we have this gigantic beam in our eye and we take those beams and we just build up our walls. You see, saints, if you're like me, or I wrestle with this, what I want you to know is I wrestle, I struggle with this. But if the motivation is to guard our hearts from sin and just the encroachments of the world, let me remind you this. You don't have enough power. You don't have enough strength. You don't have the wisdom to keep yourself in Christ. It is His work. It is His doing. It is His Spirit. Our sin is like, if we want to try to guard it, it's like, man, you load up a Mack truck and you get that thing going as fast as you can. And you're going to try and keep that thing on the road and your hopes is that the guardrail will save you. The guardrail doesn't save you. The Savior saves you and the Savior keeps you. This is what Jesus wants you to know. And so Carl Henry, he says, the early church didn't say, look what, is, look what the world is coming to. They said, look what has come into the world. That's the distinction. Rather than saying, look at what the world has come to. No, look what has come into the world, church. Remi- rem- remember Jesus. He has come into the world. Oh, let's shout that out. Let's be, let's be more amazed at the grace of God than the, than the sin that is out there. May I even be more amazed at the sin in my own heart and the grace of God than the sin of my neighbors. I believe this is what drove Mr. DeWeese Day by day. He was more amazed at God's forgiveness for his own sin. Haven't you, have you ever noticed this? When you evangelize, you are keenly aware of your own sanctification. You are aware of the words you speak. You are aware of the manner in which you live. Evangelism is a wonderful tool by God to promote actually to promote sanctification in your life. What a wonderful thought it is. I can talk to people about pornography. The Lord has delivered me. The Lord has saved me. And I can go out there. Oh, Lord, no, I don't want to go back there because if I need to talk to someone who's in the grips of it, how will I myself still continue in it? There's a keen awareness there. And so it promotes our sanctification. Jesus knows the evil that you face. He knows all of it. In Matthew 10, 16, He says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. In John 15, 19, he says, the world hates you. In John 16, 2 through 3, he says, they're going to put you out of the synagogues, and guess what? They will kill you. Not comforting words, right? But he knows. And that's where we just have to submit ourselves under the sovereign plan of God, that he knows better than what I know. But his confidence in sending us is not in ourselves. <laughs> Jesus is not saying, hey, I'm confident in you. No, he's given to us a helper. Amen? He prays in verse 11 of, of chapter 17. He prays, oh, holy father, in the context of keeping us. Oh Holy Father. And when he says Holy Father. He br- he's, he's bringing to the Holy Father. All of the weight. In other words. You Holy Father. You the sovereign God of Israel. You who parted the Red Sea. You who has broken down armies. You oh God. Who rules and reigns over All things, you, O Lord. Transcendent, pure, perfect in power and authority. And he brings this into the context of prayer to keep us. And then he would pray in verse 15. He wants to keep us from the evil one. Oh, may that comfort you. You see, Peter. Peter's faith didn't fail because Peter was a great and mighty man. Peter's faith didn't fail because Jesus prayed for him. Remember, in, that's Luke 15, right? Peter, Peter, Satan wants to sift you. Oh, but I have prayed for you. And you can take comfort, saints. Jesus has prayed for you. Sanctify them. Oh, beautiful words. If you are so... I mean, we just live in a culture where we do, saints. I mean, it is just... We just want to isolate further and further because we see the things of the world, right? We see it. And we want to isolate But Jesus says, sanctify them, set them apart for this purpose, set them apart for this calling, and it's by the truth. His word is truth. He has prayed his word over you. And on top of that, he says, I consecrate myself. I have set myself apart for you. Oh, be in love with Jesus. So let's look at the four points that evangelism presses. So that was, we are not of the world, but we are sent into the world. Evangelism glorifies God the Father and Jesus. So the chief purpose of man, right? You guys know this. The chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him. Forever. If you agree with that, then this is part of the reason that he keeps us in this world, is to evangelize the world. So to evangelize is to glorify God. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Hey, look, Father, I glorified your name. I lived the life you called me to live. I perfectly obeyed you. And that brings glory to your name. So as we evangelize, as Jesus gives us the command in Matthew 28, go into all the world. And so as we obey Jesus, we glorify God the Father and Jesus. You see, the wonderful and marvelous thing about salvation is it restores us to the grand purpose of God's design for us? We can't glorify God if we are not saved by Christ. The lost person, your neighbor, your coworker—they cannot live for the glory of God. They, this is—you talk to so many people, young people. I was so delighted, brother, when you said, "Hey, we're praying for opportunities to get on TLU." Because the number one thing that when you talk to a young person, they have no clue as to the purpose of their life. Can you imagine this? You have an advantage. You live, if you are in Christ, you live for the glory of God. And that is the purpose of your existence. That is the purpose. The glory of God. If you are apart from God, if you have been separated from Him, you cannot even live for the purpose for which you are created. And this is what evangelism does. It brings to them through the gospel of Jesus Christ the very purpose and the meaning for why they exist, why they were created by this wonderful and holy God to glorify Him. This is what evangelism is you going out and God using you to restore lost people to Him, which He created to become worshipers of Him. And that, my dear saints, is the greatest privilege in all the world. It's not just a privilege for the here and now, it's eternal. So Jesus said his whole ministry was for the purpose of glorifying God. Even before saving, Jesus lived to glorify God. His mission was to save. And in that mission, he obeyed perfectly and glorifies God. If there was anything in there that did not bring him glory, he would not do it. He wouldn't even say it. So everything about Jesus is to glorify God. And this is why this is for our good. It's for our good that Jesus glorifies God the Father. And so Jesus glorifies God by, what does he do? He reveals the Father. To those whom God has given him. This is what he's doing. Hebrews 1 3 says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God. In John 14 6 and 7, he says, No one can even come to the Father except. Through Jesus, in John fourteen nine, he says to know. He basically says to know Jesus is to know the Father. He said, "Tom, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father." And so he lives his life for the glory of God. Jesus glorifies God. Remember, God would say, "This is my beloved Son." in whom I am well pleased when he was baptized. His perfect life, his death, and his resurrection, it brings God glory. He accomplishes all the purposes that God gave him to do. In Philippians 2a, he says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And since Jesus is God, he is glorified as well. He prays for His own, that they would see His glory that He had before the world existed. That was in verse 5. It speaks of His glory as the Creator. But He's also glorified in His mediatorial role. Oh, He is glorified. The resurrection and ascension he displays his glory. In Philippians 2 9 11, carrying through that verse, he says, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name that is above every other name. So that, so that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in every tongue, confess. Jesus is glorified in evangelism. That's the aims, that's the purpose. And then we glorify God in evangelism when we make Jesus known to the world. Mr. DeWeese glorified God. When you go to your neighbor, The Lord doesn't say, hey, unless that person is saved, he doesn't say that to you. He says, I send you into the world. So when you go to the neighbor, when you have that conversation this week coming up, you glorify Jesus. Oh, what a beautiful thing that is. Number two, the joy of Jesus is ours in evangelism. Imagine that. (laughs) We don't think much. We probably probably most of the times we're like filled with anxiety and fear, right? When it comes to evangelism, I don't know what to say. I don't know how this is going to go. This is going to be horrible. I don't want to do this. Lord, why are you calling me to do this? And we're just like, oh, no, I just I guess I just got to pick up my cross. No, evangelism is for your joy, saints. There is joy in it. And I want you to hear this. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John sixteen twenty two and 24. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. John sixteen thirty three. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, take heart, saints, I have overcome the world. Every trial, every tribulation, every difficulty, oh they will hate you, they will kill you, they will put you out of the synagogues, and they will they will try to destroy you. Oh, but be of good courage, saints. His that his joy may be full in you. Oh, may you receive the joy of Christ, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The power of His word, His power, isn't it? Can you imagine you're going to get killed? You going to have all sorts of trials and tribulations? And oh, by the way, here's a real gut punch for you. I'm going away. (laughs) I mean, this is, I I mean, come on. Trials, tribulation. But I love the disciples response because the greatest thing that distressed them was he was going away. Oh, but he comforts us. And not only does he comfort us, he fills us. Our hearts with joy. Verse three, thirteen out of John seventeen. He says, "These things I speak. What things is that? The living Word, words of abundant life, word a word that is active and alive, the word that will never." Return to him void. And he says, I speak these things in the world where where you're going to have trial, where you're going to have tribulation, where you're going to have distress, where you're going to be harassed by the evil one. Oh, but I sent you. I sent you. Number three, evangelism displays the unity of the church. I love this. Do you ever think of that for a moment? I believe in individual evangelism, absolutely. But I also believe in corporate evangelism. And I would say corporate evangelism is actually individual evangelism because any evangelism is supported. It should be saints support one another. Support one another. If you have a if you get a moment to share Christ with somebody, call your pastors. They would love to hear it. They would even love to pray for that soul. Call your brother and sister in Christ. Share with them the good news. Hear them as well, though. Hear them. Who are you praying for? Oh, let me pray with you for them. Oh, come into it together. It expresses what he wants to do. So, Because he expands in verse 20 to 23 in chapter 7. He expands the scope of his prayer to include us, the whole church. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So, not just united to Christ, not just united to mission, but united to one another. This is important to Jesus. This, I would even say, is not just critical to Jesus. If he's praying for it, it is precious to Jesus. So precious. That he sweeps us up into the unity of the Trinity. He draws us right up into it. That we may be one. Even as him and the Father are one. And just as he is in us. It's also critical to our testimony of Christ. How will the world know about his church? How will they know? They're not going to run in here and and smash down. We would pray for that, absolutely. But they're not going to run in here and smash down the doors. You are equipped every week by faithful men of God who teach you the word of God so that you can go and you can live it out there. And so as you... To do that, that is the testimony of Christ that is going out to the world. Is the unity of LifeGate Church sacred to you? Is it sacred? Because this is a sacred unity. If he draws us up into the Trinity, this is something Sacred. And this is something that we should reverence. We should reverence our unity because it's actually, it comes from Christ. It's a gift from Christ. And it brings us into relationship with the triune God. Ephesians 4.3, be eager to maintain. Are you eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit? Are you chasing after it? Are you cultivating it? Be eager. You see, when the church unites on other things other than the gospel, its witness suffers in the world. If you unite on other things than the gospel, the witness of Christ will suffer In this community. Spurgeon says, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation, cherish Your unity church. It is a witness to the world that Jesus came from God. This is the witness that you are displaying to this community. That Jesus came from God. It is a witness of the love of God for His church. Verse 23, So that the world may know you love them as you loved me. Soak that one in. Oh, we soak in much. God is love. And we should soak it in. But Jesus says, he loves you as much as the Father loves him. Oh, you are talking about an unbreakable, love, an overflowing love, a never-ending love, a holy love. What I want you to know today, each and every one of you, that not just God loves you. If you are in Christ, he says, I love you. The Father loves you. As he loves the Son. The Father loves you as he loves the Son. The father loves you as he loves the Son. The father loves you as he loves the Son. The father loves you as he loves the Son. Oh, the father loves you as he loves the Son. What shall separate us? if He loves us as He loves the Son, what shall separate us from the love of God? If you are not in Christ, oh, if you are not in Christ, you live in a heartbroken world. I don't know what your condition is, I don't even know what brings you in today. But this I will testify to you, that you probably know the broken love of man, the disappointing love of man. You probably know it. And what I want you to know is there is a greater Love that Jesus Himself would say, the Father loves His people as He loves His Son. Today, God offers you full forgiveness of your sins. Today, He offers you. Adoption. Today he offers to you pardon. He offers to you relief from guilt. Oh, he offers it to you. You see, your biggest problem isn't your health, it isn't your bills. It isn't whatever, whatever your problem is. The, I guarantee you this. You don't know it, but that is not your greatest problem. Your greatest problem is you are separated from this God who gives you life and existence. You are separated from Him. Your way of life is nothing more than a witness of your rebellion and your separation. You are under His wrath. And it is His kindness. It is His kindness that brings you here today. You see, the wages of our sin is death. That's what we deserve. I deserve to be separated From God. I do deserve to be under his wrath. I do deserve hell. I deserve it. I mean, just to imagine the one who made you. Imagine this the one who made you, who literally holds your heart in his hand, holds every thought in his hand, your lungs in his hand. He made you. You exist because of Him. You exist by virtue of Him. And to say to Him, your Creator, no thanks, I don't want you. That, that. Forget about whatever sin you are in. That alone, to deny your Creator, to deny the One who causes you to exist, that alone. Is worthy for us to be cast into hell forever. That alone. And all of us testify to this. Oh, we testify to it. Let someone do wrong to us when we have done good to them. And here is God showering you with nothing but good. But you don't know my life. You don't know the difficulties I've had. Here's what I know is God has showered you with nothing but goodness. You can be the poorest man on the world. You can be the the unhealthiest person in the world. But if you have life in your body and you are hearing the gospel message, God has showered you with nothing but undeserved grace. You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Oh, to have eternal life is to have Jesus. And to have Jesus is to have the love of God. Oh, that's what your heart longs for. That's what it yearns for. You may not know it, but it yearns for love. It cries out for love. A love that I can't give you. A love that your parent can't give you. A love that your spouse can't give you. A love that your neighbor can't give you. Oh, you need the love of God. And how satisfying and how wonderful and how rich it is to know that, you know what? I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to, by God's grace, I will drive home today and I will be reminded, oh God, Father, you love me like you love your son. Oh, let that be a first thought when you wake up on Monday. How that will change your week. Oh, Don't you see this is why Jesus came into the world? He came for you. I mean, it's crazy. I know know my life. And each one of you, you know your lives. And if you are in Christ, you ought to be amazed every day that you are in Christ. This is unspeakable. This is undeserved. He gave his life for you. He bled out for you. He was nailed to a cross for you. Not just the pain and the horror of it, but he carried our sins as though he had sinned. And he took and he bore every single consequence there's still things that i live with that are consequences of my sin oh but he has rolled he has rolled them onto jesus to imagine that we wouldn't receive just full forgiveness but to imagine we don't just receive mm, relief from our guilt, but he gives, he gives to us the perfect righteousness, the pleasing righteousness that Jesus won for us. But you must receive this by faith alone. If You go out here and try and go out here and justify yourself. That is no salvation at all. Trust in Christ. Put your faith in Christ. Turn from your sin, and He will save you. And lastly, the love of Christ motivates our evangelism. I'm already motivated. on the greatest eve of the greatest of the greatest expression of love in human history i have made known to them your name and i will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and here's Here's more sweetness for your soul, and I in them. It is to be, if we're moved by Christ, if we're moved by the love of Christ, we are compelled by love to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. to know us fully and completely, the Creator of all things, who knows the beginning from the end. In His all-wise providence, He leads and guides us through all things to the ends that He has determined, which causes all things to work for our good. In this world, we will have tribulation, but he is full of grace and truth he is merciful kind and compassion compassionate he went to a woman at a well who was an outcast he touched lepers who shouldn't have been touched he touched the blind which were the ultimate of the poor he forgave sins he saved sinners So what's your story? What is your story? He will bring you safely home. To make known to Him. To make known Him is to respond in His perfect love. Mr. DeWeese, I am forever grateful to God for this man. How the Lord changed the course of my family. Gerdhaus Voss, and this is just what Mr. DeWeese modeled, he said, Bring Christ to men and men to Christ. Let your concern be to bring the two together in the house where salvation is needed. And having led the Savior in, you go out and shut the door silently behind you. I tell you, they shall not come out from there until salvation has done. It's perfect work. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father. Thank you for the precious gift of salvation. An eternal love that comes from you alone. Full, complete, redeeming work, Lord. Would you remind us of this daily so that, Father, Lord, what my desire is for this church is that their hearts would be so in love with Jesus that they cannot help but tell the good news of the gospel. I pray for any that are lost here today. that they would see the love of Jesus, Christ given for them. And they would call out to you in turn and hear those precious words, as the Father has loved me, so you are loved by God. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.